Hey, good morning. Well, happy Family Worship Sunday day to y'all. No? Okay. Um, then let me tell you how this happened. Y'all want to know how this came about? Is that a yes? I'm going to take that as an affirmative. Y'all are, uh, it's 9 a.m. people wake up. Uh, so we, uh, we've always thought, hey, one day we'll have a Family Worship Sunday. It'll be awesome when we do. Uh, and then last Thursday, uh, Caitlin, uh, who uh, runs our Sojourn Kids, was like, hey, guys, it's Memorial Day, uh, and we are reasonably young as a church, and just about everybody's traveling. And so we don't have volunteers for the Preschool Plus room. So it was either we have our first Family Worship Sunday, or, hey, we don't have volunteers for Preschool Plus, all the kids are coming in Sunday, and so we went with Family Worship Sunday, and here we go. <laughs> all right. Uh, parents in the room right now. Well, first, kids, uh, welcome, welcome. Uh, parents, uh, my my wife and I, uh, we have three kids. We we go to we have a favorite coffee shop in the neighborhood, and uh, whenever we go there, uh, almost always, unless it's on a Saturday morning, uh, almost always, my wife feels like, oh man, I don't belong here. Like they they don't want me here. My kids are making noise. I'm ruining everything for everybody. Like everybody's staring at me. I can't be here. They don't want me here. Uh, and, and at Boomtown, on a Tuesday, that, that might be true. Uh, but today in this room, that's not true. Uh, and so if your child starts to make a lot of noise, let your child make a lot of noise. It's what they do. Uh, it is not going to bother uh, any of us. All right? Amen. So who in this room, uh, adult or kid, has ever either been or seen someone get picked on? All right? Either... Maybe a playground, maybe, uh, maybe at school. Uh, show of hands, all of us together, we're all in this as one. Who has ever been picked on, seen anyone get picked on? Kids, I want to see your hands in the air too. I know you've seen it. Uh, when I was a kid, uh, I was new to a school. Didn't really have any friends, uh, and that didn't have anything to do being new to the school. It was just happened to be that I was new to the school. Uh, didn't really have any friends, uh, and one day I'm, I'm walking home, uh, and I heard this kid yell my name, and so I turned around, excited, thinking, a friend, like somebody likes me. Uh, and he walked up, and he just pushed me down. Um, and I'm pretty much over it. Uh, David Vines is his name, if you want to Google him. Uh, he, 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 uh, I mean, officially, I'm a pastor, so I've forgiven him. Um, <laughs> uh, but I can still remember, as a kid, laying there on the ground and remembering, uh, I just want to be near my parents. I, I just want, I just, I wanted to get up and I wanted to run and I wanted to sprint. I wanted to get home as fast as I could because um, I, I wanted to be near my parents because I knew if I'm near my parents, I'm safe. Uh, and the psalm that we're looking at today uh, was written by a guy named David. Uh, David was a really big deal in the Bible but it was written at a time when he was afraid. It was written at a time when he was being chased through the wilderness by a guy named Saul. And basically, uh, basically, uh, David felt like he was being picked on. Uh, and just like us, just like us, that we feel safe when we're near our parents, he felt safe in the middle of it because he knew God was near. And so let's look at it. Verse 1, Psalm 63, verse 1. Oh God, Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. 
as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Now, there, there is a positive affirmation in this verse. Uh, there is a, oh God, you are my God. But here's what happens. Because part A is positive, we, we tend to look at part B in this verse and over-spiritualize it, right? And so we write songs about, uh, I'm in a dry and weary land. I'm tempted to sing, I'm in a dry and weary land to you. But we write songs, I'm in a dry and weary land. There is no water. And we raise our hands to these songs. But the reality is, here's what David's doing. David is giving a graphic image of his emotional and spiritual state. Like, like right now, I'm, I'm looking around at my life, and I am seeking you, and I am seeking you like a man who is looking for water in a drought. And I love, I love, one of the things that I love most about the Bible is how honest the Bible is, how the Bible doesn't ever over-spiritualize life. The Bible is incredibly honest about the realities of life that we live in, that this, this is David, my soul is thirsty, and I'm searching. I don't see water around, which means, which means kids, kids, uh, it is okay to be honest with God. Like, did, did you know that? That it's, it is okay to be honest with God. If you're afraid or you're angry or you're, uh, I was going to say scared, but that's afraid. Uh, if, it's okay to be honest with God. Uh, God wants you to be honest. In fact, the truth is, God already knows. And so he wants you to be honest. And then adults, adults, it, it, is, it is not just okay, but it's a win if you were to follow David's example and stop over-spiritualizing life. Like, it, it's okay for you to say, like, Lord, I, I am looking around at my life, and I know that you're near, but I don't see you anywhere around me. Uh, like, like, to know God is good, um, and this is hard, are not incompatible statements. They're not incompatible. Like, what the Lord doesn't want is for you to just over-spiritualize life and pretend that you have some richer, deeper faith than you have in the middle of something that what he wants is for you to be really honest so that in that pain, you might develop a richer, deeper faith. What if we just stopped over-spiritualizing everything? I think it'd be a win for all of us. And so here's David. I'm a, I'm a man searching for you like a man in a trout needing water. Um, and he has two responses. Here's the first one. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory, because your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you, so I will bless you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. So the heart of David's first response is this, that your steadfast love is better than life. This is the core engine of this first response, that your steadfast love, it's better than life. Now, this, this phrase, steadfast love, it's translating one word. Uh, and, and you guys, any of y'all that know multiple languages, you know there are times where, uh, there are times where when, you're, when you're trying to translate a word from, you know, Spanish to English, you know, German to you name it, uh, there's just certain words that carry this range of ideas that it's really impossible to have a, a one-to-one correlation, one-to-one parallel. This is one of those words. So the word that gets translated, steadfast love, and steadfast love is a great translation, but, it, but it's this, this idea of loyalty, kindness, mercy, just, just all merged into one. And he's saying that 
in the middle of my circumstances, in the middle of whatever is going on in my life, um, your loyalty, your kindness, your mercy, your love is better than life. Now, here's the question. I think it's a fair question. It's one we need to ask. Uh, Why would David say, why would David say that your steadfast love is better than life? And here's the answer. David, looking around, looking at his circumstances, looking at the wilderness as Saul is chasing him, knows that it is possible that he's going to lose his life. Like, that's a reality for David. He is not unaware. But here's what else he knows. He knows that if he loses his life, it doesn't mean that he loses the loyalty, kindness, mercy, and love of God. Which means, which means, adults, we're a, like I said, a reasonably young church that kind of travels on Memorial Day weekend. So this might not be that applicable to you right now, but I promise one day it's going to be. Which means that cancer is not the punishment of God for you. That when it's your turn to hear the word tumor, it's not because God is angry with you. It's not because he's looking back at your college years or um, you're in your 50s or 60s and looking back at what you did right now and God is angry with you. That's not what it means. It means that cancer is a result of a fallen world. But even when it's your time to hear the word cancer or tumor, it doesn't mean for a second that you have lost the loyalty, kindness, mercy, love of God. Not for a second. And kids, kids, uh, it means that sometimes life's not fair. Sometimes it's not fair. Uh, Sometimes you want things uh, and you don't get them. And we say things like, God, I don't understand. God, I don't understand why. This is just not fair. I wanted that so badly, God. I prayed for it so much, and I don't have it. Why? It's not fair. Here's what it's really important that you know. It's really important that you know that as you grow up and as you become, you know, a big elementary kid and then junior high and high school, uh, and then one day you'll be an adult, it's important that you know uh, that when you don't get things that you really want or that you pray for, it's not because God is angry with you. And it's not because life's just not fair. It's because God is good, and he loves you, and he knows what's best for you, and he's going to give you what's best for you. It's important that you know that. And so that's response one. Um, Your steadfast love, better than life. Now response two. Verse five. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips when I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. For you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. So here's David's second response. His second response is this long sentence that builds to, in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. Now, uh, to understand David here, to understand what, uh, what he's trying to communicate, we need to understand how the word shadow or how shadows and shade are used in the Bible. But if you trace shadows and shade throughout the scriptures, here's what you find. Let me read you a quote uh, from a theologian smarter than I am. Uh, shadows, shadows are predominantly an image for protection or refuge, especially the kind God provides. The shadow or shade of a tree is the customary image for protection. Let me give you one example. Psalm 91, 1. He who dwells 
in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. So, kids, to understand what David is trying to say when he says, the shadow of your wings, I will sing for joy, we need to pretend together, all right? Uh, You can close your eyes if you want to. You can keep them open if you want to. But we need to pretend something. We need to pretend that you're in this room alone. Your parents aren't anywhere near you. Uh, and you are afraid, like we're scared, we are scared, we are scared. You know the kind of scared where like you don't even, can't even talk and your hands are shaking, like, like we're that kind of scared. And, and in the middle of that kind of shared, I need you to imagine with me, or that kind of scared, not shared, uh, that kind of scared, I need you to imagine with me that you look over to the, we'll call it your left, and you see a shadow, and you know that that shadow is your parents. Like you know your parents' shadow is right there. Now, seeing that shadow is going to take away some fear. Like, you're going to know, okay, I'm afraid, but I'm safe. That's what David is saying. Like, I'm in the shadow of your wings. Like, in the middle of my fear, in the middle of all that's going on in my life, I see the shadow of God. I know that shadow, I know that God is near to me. And so I feel safe. And another question, I think, uh, a question that we need to ask, and a fair question to ask this passage is this. We're going to kind of wind down and lay in the plane, kiddos, this way. There seems to be two Davids in Psalm 63. Like, it just seems like when we look at this, we see two, uh, we see two Davids. We see uh, the David who is, uh, my soul, I'm seeking for you like a man in a drought searching for water. Uh, there's that one David, and then there's the other David that is, uh, I, 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 the shadow of your wings will sing for joy. It seems like these are two different uh, Davids here. And the question is, how is that possible? Like, how in seven verses can we have two different Davids here? And the answer is, the answer is, it's possible because David's gospel is our gospel. It's possible because on the cross, when they pierced Jesus' side, not only did blood come out, but water came out so that, so that, Jesus' words If anyone who is thirsty, let him come to me and drink, can be ours. It's possible because on the cross, the loyalty, love, kindness, and mercy of God was displayed. It's possible because on the cross, on the cross, Jesus climbed a tree and became the eternal shade of God for us. And so, how then... How then do we live like David? How then do we live in the shadows? Right, David knowing this, knowing that this shade was going to come, how is it that he found shade? Where did he go to find it? The answer is back in verse 2. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary. Now, the sanctuary uh, in the Old Covenant, uh, in its most baseline form, was a place where God was present. It's where God dwelt. It's where they went to worship because it's where God was. Now, in the New Covenant, in the New Testament, after Jesus came, uh, the question is, what, what is the sanctuary today? Like, where is it that God dwells today? And Ephesians 2 answers that for us. In him, in him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Here's what that means. This is what we talk about. We have for five years, we've talked about things like, Hey, the the church is a people, not a place. It's a body, not a building. People, not a place. Body, not a building. Like, like you understand that this 
this wall, these, I don't even know what they're made of, but what, bricks and then something on the inside, these walls over here, uh, this concrete floor, these seats, these lights, this is not a church. This is a church building. The people are the church. Like, God doesn't dwell in buildings. He dwells in a people. In him, you are being built together, dwelling place for God by the Spirit. That's you. That's us. That's people. God dwells in among people. And so if you want to be near God, you don't go to buildings. You go to people. You go to people. So Sojourn Kids, kids, when you come to Sojourn Kids, we, we want you to have fun. Like, we, we want you to have a good time. Like, we... We want you to enjoy Sojourn Kids. We want it to be this really good time for you every Sunday. But let me tell you our real hope. Our real hope there is that you would come near people, come into the church, and that you would see and learn about God's loyalty, his love, his kindness, his mercy toward you. We would hope that, and we pray that, uh, that when life is scary and when you feel afraid, whether it's tomorrow or 10 years from now, that you would know and you would remember what you learned in Sojourn Kids and the people that you're around in Sojourn Kids would make this impression on you uh, that you would remember and you would know that life is safest when you're near Jesus. Adults, it means that every Sunday when we come together, every Sunday we come together, and in this really beautiful way that's hard to explain. Christ is present with us in the Word and in the table. But do you know where else he's present with us? Where it is that we look to find shade? Like when we show up on Sunday, where is it that we can look and see shade? We can see it in one another. Like when we gather together on Sundays, we can look each other in the eye, and we can know this. In this room, I matter. In this room, I matter. Like my, my boss at my job, he might find me dispensable. Not here. Not here. In this room, we look one another in the eye and we're reminded of the loyalty, love, kindness, mercy of God. Which, by the way, difference in a corporation and a church, a corporation is going to do, and they have to do, what's best for the bottom line at the expense of you. Church does what's best for you at the expense of her bottom line. Which is why when, we, when, when life happens and we say, hey, neighborhood parish, there's some needs in your parish to meet. And life has happened to that guy or that girl, and they need you to come around and actually provide for them physically, materially. Of course, it is not best for the bottom line of our savings account to pull cash out and help provide for somebody but it's what we do because we do what's best for you at the expense of our bottom lines. It means that our parishes, all of us, all people, this is for kids and adults. This is for all the people in the room. It means that our neighborhood parishes, they're places where we come together and we live life together and we meet in homes for meals, and we talk about the Bible together. And in doing so, we become these places where we, where we, in relationship, remind one another on a regular basis, even when we stumble, even when we 
are trying hard to love Jesus and follow Jesus, and we just fall flat on our face. Even in the middle of that, we remind one another of the love, loyalty, kindness, mercy of God for us. That, that even when we abandon God, this is loyalty, that even when we abandon God, God doesn't abandon us. He's with us, he's for us, and in community, he's near to us. He's near to us. We remind one another, life is safest when we're near Jesus. And so, a prayer, a prayer that we would leave today and you would know this, that you would know uh, that even when life is scary, and I mean frightening scary, even when life is scary, and you can have comfort and protection and know that you're safe because you're near Jesus. And that we would know where it is that we go to be near Jesus. We go where David went. We go to where God dwelt. And where God dwells today is in and among the church. And so we gather. And we live life. And we come together. And we look one another in the eyes. And remind one another, with or without words, that, the love is f- that, that Christ is with you, he's for you, and he's near you. Let me pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for all the people in this room today. From 3 to 30 to 60, we thank you for all the people in this room. And I pray that we would all know, we would all know that life is safest when we're near Jesus. And I pray we would know where we go to be near Jesus, that we don't go to buildings, we go to people. We go to where God dwells. We love you. In Christ's name, amen.